1: Kemba financial credit union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time, 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply offer ends June 30th, 2024. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact,
3: The Large Nerdron Collider podcast is a production of iHeartRadio.
4: Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Caston, and with me as always is New Year, but still the same awesome Jonathan Strickland. Hey Ariel. Hey Jonathan!
3: <laughs> I don't have hey! I don't have anything fun to say. It's my New Year's resolution to be dull and uninteresting to be dull. Uh, on purpose. <laughs> As opposed to just by nature.
4: Have you read any comics for your? Because that was your resolution. I have
3: not. I have not. I have not yet read any comics. No. I just got back into town. I not that I was traveling. Traveling. I went to a little cabin for the holidays with just it's just me and my wife. And because everybody got COVID, so you know it's just that fun time. Mm-hmm. So we're now into twenty twenty two, and uh, and I'm hoping that this year we see huge improvements. Of course, the beginning of the year looks like it's going to be pretty rough, but all that out of the way for you, Ariel, I have a question. (music) Now, Ariel, my question for you is, can you think of a uh, particular property that a lot of people think of as either corny or cheesy or, you know, just... They might not think it's very good, but you have a genuine and unironic love for that property.
4: Uh, do I have them? Yes. Can I think of one on the spur of the moment? I, you know, I don't know what's happening to my brain lately because <laughs> you asked me off microphone, and I could tell you a million of them. Um, well, golly, Jonathan, I think you actually stumped me. Okay, Fuller House. There we go.
3: Wow. Okay. Yeah. And by the way, there are
4: much better examples, but you just like, I'm not, I'm not
3: calling this guilty pleasures, but that would be one. (laughs) Um, No. uh, Okay. Well here, let me, let me tell you what mine is, Uh, which actually, and I had thought of this before uh, we finalized our, our topics for today and I did not intend for it to tie in, but it kind of does Xanadu. Uh. I have an unironic genuine love for the movie Xanadu with Olivia Newton-John and uh, Gene Kelly is in it. And we're going to be talking about Gene (laughs) Kelly in a little minute, a second or two. But yeah, uh, Xanadu is a film that is corny. It is uh, very much a product of the 1980s. I mean, you got leg warmers and everything. Uh, And I have a genuine, unironic love for that film.
4: I have not seen it yet. I know I ought to. So, I'm going to pedal back in my Fuller House because the reason I love that show is because of nostalgia for Full House. And then they they catch you every once in a while with the feels um, because nostalgia uh, opens that door. Um, But unironically, love, it would be Tenth Kingdom. And I used to think it was so cool and it wasn't cheesy at all. And then I tried to show it to my husband last year and it's horribly hokey. Yeah, well,
3: and and the Bo Peep episode is pretty rough. (laughs)
4: It is, but I mean, there's like what eight episodes or something like that. Yeah. It's a very long miniseries. But you know that that's the thing is it's it's a Hallmark movie, which I didn't realize until this year when I tried to show it to my husband, despite the fact that I own it. So
3: well, I, I can tell you that you and uh, unofficial third LNC C. co-host Shay share a love for that particular property.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, great minds. Thank you. That's true.
3: Uh, I guess you yeah. you, you redheads have to stick together.
4: It is true. All right, so. <laughs> let's, uh, let's dust <laughs> the
3: ring rust off. It's been a few weeks since we've recorded one of these. It's time for us to get some news.
4: It is. I was trying to say something uh, delightful about Shay because she is super delightful, and I'm glad she loves our show, and I'm glad to have her as a friend, but then my brain looked at our topic, which just hurts my head, which is that Chris Evans might be Gene Kelly.
3: Yeah, not... It's not like some sort of weird multiverse thing where it turns out Chris Evans (laughs) might be Gene Kelly.
4: I mean, I mean, I don't know. There is a tardigrade that, you know, might be the first quantum entangled creature. So you never know. But
3: yeah, this is a a story about how Chris Evans wants to do a film in which he would play Gene Kelly. And it ties in with another semi-related news item that says Tom Holland uh, might be playing uh, Fred Astaire in a totally different picture. So we're looking at potentially an era where Marvel Cinematic Universe alumni play classic film uh, actors and performers.
4: So uh, what I will say is Tom Holland can dance. So sure. I guess he kind of looks like him. I don't. I should know this, but I don't recall if Chris Evans can sing or dance. Well, I'm sure he can sing and dance. I
3: I sure hope so, because Gene Kelly had something of an infamous reputation for being a perfectionist and having extremely high demands as far as uh, dancer capabilities are concerned. So I suspect he would want anyone playing him in a film to be really freaking good.
4: I would expect so, too. And, you know, for what it's worth, Gene Kelly, like you said, perfectionist, did not have the a reputation of being the nicest dude, right? Yeah. Uh, Chris Evans plays a real good jerk. If you look at Fantastic Four or you look at Knives Out, Scott Pilgrim, yeah, he's he's he seems like a very sweet guy, never met him, but he seems like a super sweet guy, but he plays jerks really well. One of my acting teachers actually said you play your opposite. It's easiest to play your opposite. So if you're a nice person, it's easy to play a mean.
3: Must be must be head. why I always gravitated toward playing villains at the uh, Renaissance Festival.
4: It must be. Now, I will say that the plot for this, I guess it's known plot for this movie, is that there is a 12-year-old working at MGM Studios, and he imagines becoming friends with Gene Kelly. So that's kind of a cool concept.
3: Yeah, it's like Jojo Rabbit, but with Gene Kelly instead of Hitler.
4: Yeah, which... <laughs> stepped your that's horrible, Jonathan. <laughs> that's so horrible. I made, an, horrible. I, I made a um,
3: resolution for in the new year. I was gonna drop bombs and make you have to deal with it.
4: <laughs> um uh you know, Chris Evans is producing this. Um, he may not star in it, but he might star in it. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna segue off of comparing Gene Kelly to to Hitler because I don't think. And I don't, I don't know, but I don't think he was that bad.
3: No, he was definitely not Hitler bad.
4: Over the holidays, I got to take home of the photos and the headshot of my great aunt, Cecil Silvonia, who was a Jake Phil Follies girl and worked for Paramount Studios. So, yay. Uh, Brief aside that takes us off of that bomb you dropped. Okay.
3: Uh, Let's talk about something else that may or may not bomb. (laughs)
4: Uh, which is the Morbius movie.
3: Which, as we have learned, and I'm sure most of you out there who listen to the show have already heard, has been delayed yet again. Morbius has been delayed almost as many times as the James Webb Space Telescope was. Uh, It was supposed to originally come out. Yeah, it was originally supposed to come out the summer of 2020 and, uh, you know, got pushed back multiple times because of COVID with the whole idea of wanting to release it when... Theaters would be a popular destination, and for a while, like mm-hmm. we were on that way, because like Spider-Man: No Way Home broke records. You know, it was like the third top-grossing yeah. film, and so uh, for its opening weekend. So like it it was looking great, and then of course, Omicron uh, truly unleashed itself on the United States, and now they Sony is pushing it back again until April 1st. And it is not an April fool's joke. It might be an April fool's joke that that's what's going to come out. Cause who knows? It might get pushed again.
4: Yeah. Um, here's the thing though. Like Venom, carnage, no way home also made really good numbers for the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, both Sony properties. So I understand that. I can't imagine this movie having quite the same draw cause it's a lesser known character.
3: Here's my thought. My thought is that Morbius had the best chance to do well, with it being tied to the Spider-Man universe, uh, if it came out within you know a a relatively small window compared to like uh, next to Spider-Man No Way Home, because mm-hmm. I think Morbius could have coasted on Spider-Man's you know or ridden Spider-Man's coattails. although I don't think I don't think Spider-Man wears a coat with tails, but if he did, Morbius could ride them.
4: I mean, unless you're like into the Spider Verse and it's schlubby. Uh- Hot belly Spider-Man. I think he wore like a trench.
3: So maybe then, maybe then, but yeah, I think on its own merit, I don't know that it's going to have that big of a draw. And honestly, I think this might've been one of those cases where they might've been better off doing a day uh, and date kind of premiere, both online and in the films or in the theaters, but instead they're, they're really sticking to their guns to make this a theatrical release and make it exclusive. And you know, I certainly hope. I certainly hope that by April we don't have a situation where we no longer feel safe to go to places like movie theaters. I really hope, but I've been hoping that for two years. So,
4: <laughs> so I mean, same because I I want to go see Beetlejuice on Broadway, which opens in April, but it runs all year. So, hopefully, I can find a window when it's relatively safe. You know, I I agree that I think probably releasing it online and in Movie theaters at the same time would be great. But, you know, if they aren't going to do that for Spider-Man, if they didn't do that for Carnage, then I could see the actors or the people who are involved to make profits and, and make their living off of the profits of the movie saying, well, this isn't fair. But now they're still having to wait for the profits. So I guess it's a a darned if you do, darned if you don't sort of a situation. Um, I was going to say maybe they should have just scrapped it. But I guess if they've put all that time and money into it, it should come out, especially since they're making a Craven movie.
3: Yeah, I I just I feel like I feel like that by delaying it and delaying it, there's a real risk of people just completely losing interest, like whatever interest they had in it just kind of goes away and that it just fizzles, which that is not going to do them any favors either. But I mean, I say this, I I honestly don't know all the answers and I'm not I'm not a, a film executive or anything like that. And uh, it may very well be that this is the best move for the film from a business standpoint. It just seems like Mm -hmm. it just seems like a a bad call to me in general. The fact that it's been delayed so long, like anything that would have tied in with other properties that would have been interesting. Now it's an afterthought, right? Because it's been delayed so long that movies that were supposed to come out after it have already come out.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Uh, I'd love to see this, like the thought cloud of how they organize all of these release dates. I probably wouldn't be able to follow it very well, but I keep forgetting about Morbius (laughs) until news pops up. Like it's, it's so low in my brain.
3: Yeah. Well, I I think the fact that they keep delaying it hurts that too. Right. Like you, there's going to come a point where they're going to say, Morbius is finally coming out next week and we're going to say, Oh, I thought that already came out. Right. That's, that's what's going to happen. Something that I don't expect to happen is to say that same thing about the Batman, the film that uh, I believe breaks Ariel's heart. Every moment she sees a little more, more of a clip of it because the version of the Riddler in the, this film is so different from the one you love.
4: I hate it. I hate it. I love it so much. (laughs) Okay, I there's something else I hate. Uh, uh, sorry, I don't hate. Hate is the wrong word. Uh, the, the trailers don't super appeal to me. However, the most recent, the Batman trailer, actually did appeal to me a little bit for the reason that I expected it to the least, which is Catwoman seems super engaging and fun. Yeah. She might be the only fun thing about that movie uh, <laughs> based on the trailer. But other than when I wanted to cosplay as Michelle Pfeiffer after... Was it Batman returns. Yes, Batman begins.
3: Batman returns. You were right the first Batman time. Batman
4: returns. Um, yeah, Catwoman has never been my favorite character. Uh, it's always been the Riddler. But I really like what I've seen of Zoe Kravitz as as uh, Catwoman so far. I also noticed that like Batman hardly ever ever smiles or looks up in these trailers.
3: Wow. Well, I mean, Batman's not known as a smiley (laughs) kind of guy anyway.
4: Uh, Okay, but Bruce Wayne is. But
3: I think that might be what this movie is about, is about how Bruce Wayne, because this is still supposed to be fairly early into the Batman's career as a vigilante. I think this Mm -hmm. is probably the movie where he realizes he needs to craft the Bruce Wayne persona in order to more easily mask himself as Batman and and not draw attention to himself and so I feel like that's part of the story. That that's what seems to be to me based on the trailers. I uh want to go on record as still saying that I absolutely love this version of the Riddler and I think it's amazing.
4: I mean, that's that's fine, you know. If every version of Batman, Spider-Man, whatever was the same, it gets boring, right? Um, if you're going to rehash the story, do something fun with it. So
3: it's just, it's an absolutely terrifying version, right? Like it is, it, it, I mean, you can tell, like it it is so not even remotely, uh, uh, you know, subtext that they are drawing on the Zodiac killer as inspiration for the Riddler. And, uh, and it is a terrifying vision of the Riddler. So yeah, we'll see when that film finally comes out, we'll see, uh, What our reactions are, but we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit not just about reactions, but how long you should wait before you start spilling the ding dang darn beans about that new thing you just saw. But first, uh, we're going to take this quick break.
5: Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers, she wants a cocktail.
2: Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva, Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store.
6: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this.
4: Whoa, that break was so quick. Mm,
3: Beans, beans. mm. (laughs) Hope I don't spill them. Got this big old bowl of beans here.
4: Would you you like to eat some baked beans at George Went at a movie?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I know that that's a reference and I don't remember what it's from.
4: Would you like to take a survey? Yeah. Do you like beans? Do you like George Went movies? Do you like eating beans at George Went movies? That's not from the
3: critic, is it?
4: It's from the Animaniacs.
3: Animaniacs. Right, right, right. It was was it Ben Stein that was doing the voice, maybe?
4: I don't remember, but it was a brilliant bit that sticks with me to this day. Oh, original Animaniacs, not the new series, right. though.
3: So the thing we wanted to talk about was a little bit about, about spoilers and how long you should, uh, you know, keep things to yourself uh, after seeing something brand new. I think COVID has made this topic way more challenging. Because like I, I, like Ariel, you saw Spider-Man No Way Home. I have Mm -hmm. not seen Spider-Man No Way Home because I didn't feel comfortable going to a theater. I still don't feel comfortable going to a theater, especially now, because it's even worse than it was when I decided back then not to go. Yeah. And it's worse now. So like for me, the spider, the the spider, the spoiler spider window (laughs) needs to be pretty big. (laughs) So that I can watch that film and enjoy it. I've already had some stuff spoiled for me and I have tried to avoid it, but it's just difficult when you're talking about a movie that did score number three on top box office weekends of all time. uh, It's kind of hard to avoid all the, the geek talk about it.
4: That is true. I managed to avoid all spoilers going into the movie and then I didn't really see them afterwards either. So I thought maybe there weren't many, but Yeah, I see I see all of all of my friends on Facebook or social media saying uh, don't don't comment on this thread with spoilers until after the spoiler window, which I think is what, like three weeks or something like that.
3: Yeah, I guess it depends. Um, Like, I I think I mean, I don't know. I don't know now. I think I would have said probably in the old days, I would have said like a week or two weeks mm -hmm. because back in the old days, like just it just was a matter of having the time to get to the theater (laughs) to see something. Now, yeah. now it's more complicated than that.
4: I agree. It's hard because like, I also saw the matrix, which came out on HBO. Yeah. I have no uh, excuse
3: on that one, but I still haven't seen it.
4: <laughs> uh, it's not. So there were some interesting concepts.
3: That was
4: real dumb. What
3: a, what a great way to say. I didn't like the movie. It was Interesting.
4: There were bits that I liked Um, and and some of the ideas they had, I thought were really cool and even executed well, but then like the ending was just dumb and it was, it was kind of hard to follow. And then I rewatched the original matrix over the holiday uh, afterwards. And I was like, well, this one's a little hard to follow at first too, because you have to go down the rabbit hole.
3: I watched everyone knows. I love red letter media. I watched a half in the bag about uh, this movie without having seen the movie. Uh, just following their discussion of the movie was hard for me because they didn't go in a truly linear fashion. They kind of jumped around a bit because uh, mm-hmm. I the whole time I was sitting there thinking like, how do they actually link this to the original movie and uh, to a lesser extent to part two and three? And even at the end of that, I thought. I still don't know how they did that. And I don't know if I'm ever going to watch the movie. I guess I probably will at some point. I never watched the third one. So I don't, there's no guarantee that I'm going to watch Matrix Resur- Resurrections. But it was like one of those things where it's just like, how the heck did they do that?
4: They eventually explain it to you in the movie. Like they do explain stuff, but it takes a while. Um, kind of like with Dune, uh, which isn't on HBO anymore.
3: Yeah, that was done as a limited release. Yeah.
4: Yeah, they have well exceeded their spoiler window. So I I do think that, you know, the pandemic makes it more difficult because I want to see movies. I don't want them spoiled unless I'm worried that I'm going to have anxiety. You know me. I don't always hate spoilers personally. But yeah, if you can't get somewhere, that's a lot harder. And and a lot of places still don't have like a shortened release window. Maybe they'll go back to that with the current wave of things like, you know, we're going to have it in the theaters for three weeks and then we'll have it on
3: streaming Disney plus or HBO max. I mean, it's the, yeah. the stuff I've seen le- recently, I think it was deadline Hollywood that ran a piece that said that they were that movie studios for the large, for the largest part were done with the experiment of releasing things day of on streaming as they go to theaters simply because they're not seeing the same, you know, like, like results revenue from that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so Ultimately, it becomes a business thing. And I, I don't mean to turn my nose up at that either, because I also realize that if you don't make money from this, it stops happening, right? It can't support the actual industry. You can no longer afford to make movies, at least not the way we have been making movies without this key component. And that, you know, for a long time, movie studios were kind of gleeful about the idea of theater chains kind of failing. But now they realize that that's a very important part of the ecosystem and uh and all of that i understand i also you know i also have very strong feelings about continuing to operate those kind of spaces when when things are as dangerous as they are now uh so anecdotally the number of people i personally know who have contracted covid more than doubled since thanksgiving Uh, of 2021, like all of 2020, all of 2021, I knew a certain number of people, Thanksgiving 2021 to today, that number more than doubled. And it just shows how quickly I think I
4: counted 13 over the last two weeks, but you and I know a lot of the same people. So,
3: well, and I'm not on Facebook anymore, so I don't know any of the Facebook crowd anymore. Like, I don't know any of Ah. those friends. I'm talking about people I know outside of that. So yeah, it's in that environment. Uh, It makes me feel like the push to continue to get things out to theaters is irresponsible, unethical. Really? I think of it as unethical and dangerous. Um, No, granted that's right now we're getting toward the peak of Omicron, which supposedly the peak isn't even going to hit till another week or two, which is kind of scary to think about. Uh, But no one's really sure what happens after that. If things have calmed down, then clearly it's a different world entirely. And I don't really have an objection to people. I don't really have an objection to people going to see a movie. Now I just don't feel comfortable doing it myself. Um, even vaccinated boosted wearing a mask, all that stuff. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I've just been totally fundamentally changed as a person because of this. That might be the case, but, um, it, it just makes me feel icky about that part of the entertainment business.
4: Generally, I have felt okay with now seeing Spider-Man. I saw it in a theater with people. I was double masked and it was a very, very empty theater. Um, But, you know, generally I have felt okay with seeing a movie at like a rented theater. Yeah. I don't know how I'd feel about that right now. Because again, yeah, it's, it's, Vaxxed and boosted doesn't necessarily mean. Safe. (laughs) Mean a whole lot. Yeah. Now, most of the people I know who are vaccinated and boosted are okay. Um, you know, but Yeah, it's more uh, it's, thankfully. It's
3: more of again the concern of becoming part of this overall system that is spreading COVID and then potentially allowing it mm-hmm. to mutate and it's that kind of thing. Like it's not just like I realize I'm vaccinated and boosted. If I caught it, I would probably feel lousy, but that would probably be mm-hmm. the worst of it, right? Like I would probably have you yeah. know, some mild symptoms, maybe it might even be asymptomatic, and get through it. But, uh, but the, getting back to the spoilers, that's why again, but, yeah. This
4: is this is a, this is a good spoiler conversation. But it does, but it does, Oops, pl- sorry, it guys. does play
3: into it though. It does play into it because mm-hmm. it means that, uh, you know, I'm making choices, and granted, they are my choices, but I'm making choices to not participate in these things, which means that it's stuff that I want to participate in. I just don't feel comfortable doing it. So, mm-hmm. uh, like. I don't think it's fair for me to ask everybody, hey, don't talk about this thing you're really excited about just because I haven't seen it. I don't think that's fair. It's putting the burden on other people. I just remove myself from all those conversations because Good. I think that's the, the responsible thing to do. I made the choice not to go see it, so I'm going to make the choice to not be present for those conversations so that when I finally do get to experience it, I can enjoy it.
4: So if you get a spoiler, like a big spoiler, does it ruin the movie experience for you? Or can you still enjoy that movie?
3: I can enjoy the movie, but I won't enjoy it as much. And the reason is that the joy of discovery is a huge part of my enjoyment of a film. Um, Mm -hmm. Like if I were to to give you an example, if I were to, to think of the merits of the movie Toy Story versus the merits of Toy Story 2, I would probably say. Toy Story Two is the better film on pretty much mm-hmm. every you know metric, but I enjoyed Toy Story One more because that was my exposure to that world and those characters, and the joy of discovering that was such a huge part of what made that movie work for me that while I really loved Toy Story Two, I had already experienced that discovery, right I couldn't rediscover yeah. them so that's the kind of problem I have with spoilers uh, in that often the spoilers are about things that are specifically placed there to delight the audience. And for me not to experience it for the first time, seeing the thing, but having already heard about it and now I'm just waiting for it to happen. It does take away some of the joy for me.
4: So what do you think about media outlets that depend on like cutting edge news? Right. And they come out with the spoilers day of moment of release sometimes before the release if they've had a, a pre screener. What do you what do you think about that? Should there should there be like a a moratorium? A moratorium on, I, I think yeah.
3: I think that headlines definitely should never contain spoilers in them. I think anyone who writes a headline that contains a spoiler in it is a scum bucket. They are a scum bucket. <laughs> if you out there are listening to this and you write headlines for various movie movie and TV news sites. And you put spoilers in the headline itself. You are a scumbucket, and you should feel bad.
4: That's that's how they get the clicks, John. That's
3: their scumbuckets. You can get the clicks by <laughs> alluding to a, a a a cool thing in a movie without actually spoiling it, right? You oh. could say here, like yeah. like for example, I saw tons of headlines that say, "Here's what Spider Man No Way Home means," or "What what the ending to Spider Man No Way Home means," or things like that. I'm like, well, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I know the movie ends, right? That's not a spoiler. If the movie didn't end, that would be a hell of a spoiler. <laughs> like all my friends are yeah. still stuck in theaters, but um, that's not a spoiler. So that's fine. It's when you start actually dropping details in the headlines. That's where I have my biggest problem. I I, I don't hate the fact that everyone jumps on that. I get it from, a, you know, the perspective of people are hungry for that kind of thing uh, and they want to consume it. I get it. I just don't like the one people who do Mm -hmm. it clumsily, whether it's on YouTube or it's on blogs or news sites or whatever. I don't like that kind of thing.
4: Neither do I. I prefer the uh, the headlines that say like in giant bold letters, spoiler alert at the beginning, because then usually in a thumbnail, it cuts off and that's all I see. And I'm like, I'm not going to click on that Um, if I don't want the spoilers again. I know sometimes sometimes I'm like, I need the spoilers Um, generally if something's been out longer, though. Uh, what, okay, so my last question on that is I'd 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 love to know your opinion on like speculative spoilers. So the people who say we got this, and we talked about this kind of in rumors, and we've talked about this before, but they say we got this on-set image of this. So it's kind of spoiled before the movie even happens, before it's even confirmed. I'm not does, that, cra- does that fall into the same bucket? Yeah, I'm
3: not too crazy about that either. Like, still haven't seen Spider-Man, so I don't know if he shows up in it or not. But all the speculation about Charlie Cox uh, as as Matt Murdock possibly showing up in Spider-Man, that was one of those things that um, I would have rather have either seen it and been delighted or it's not in the movie Mm -hmm. and I never even knew it was a thing. Uh, It's the like I like speculation when it's something where you watch a like a week to week show and you see something and it gets your Mm -hmm. imagination going and you want to talk about with your friends. I don't like speculation when it's some photographer from three blocks away using a telephoto lens to get a grainy photo of someone standing at craft services yeah. and saying Christopher Walken's in the next Spider-Man movie or whatever. I'm not crazy
4: about that. Yeah, yeah, me neither. Me neither. Uh, I wish I wish people would just be a little more considerate. You know, thankfully, most of the because I am still on social media. Most of the people I know, if they're going to talk about a movie. They'll put multiple like breaks, <laughs> space, 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 space. Sure. enter, 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 return, 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 uh, with spoilers below so that you don't see them by accident, um, which I think is the way to go or, you know, create a group yeah. on whatever social media platform you're on to just talk about it in that group. Uh, yeah.
3: I, I love, I love into. people being passionate and enthusiastic about the stuff that they enjoy. And, uh, I, I don't want anyone to ever feel like they can't indulge in that I just want them to do it in a way that doesn't ruin it for me.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I agree. Which means that, you know, Jonathan and I both, both finished Hawkeye. I watched Spider-Man. I watched Matrix. Jonathan watched Boba Fett and I watched all of Cobra Kai. Uh, But we can't really talk about them because I feel like those are all still in the spoiler
3: window. Here's what I'll say about Boba Fett. Uh, I hope episode two is better. (laughs) <laughs> it wasn't bad that's, uh, you know not bad just a slow start just a slow start not bad
4: that's that's what I heard uh, is that a slow start but you know a lot of shows have like that slow first episode yeah uh, I will say I really enjoyed Hawkeye way more than I thought I would uh, Matrix is okay I enjoyed Spider-Man Uh, and Cobra Kai I don't know how that show can do s- like the characters can make so many decisions that make me so angry yet I still like the show Um,
3: (laughs) that's the secret of a great showrunner. All right. Well, uh, we have a secret too, which is that we've got a couple of things to mash up, but before we do that, we need to take another quick break.
5: Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This mother's day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. Make mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N dot com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand.
2: Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva, Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store.
0: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of.
4: Was that we have a couple of things to mash up really a secret, No, Jonathan? because we've
3: done it for every episode up to this point. So but I guess the, the the things we were going to mash up remained a secret. So one of the things we wanted to do was pay tribute to Betty White, uh, phenomenal actress and comedian, uh, someone who managed to be a, a powerful force in entertainment all the way through her 90s. And of course, she, she uh, passed away very recently just a couple of weeks shy of her 100th birthday and so we wanted to pay tribute mm-hmm. to betty white so we decided to go with uh, one of the most iconic properties associated with betty white the golden girls and mash that up yes. with something else now before we say what the something else is ariel would you like to explain to those who may not be familiar what the golden girls was about
4: Sure. It's about four women who roommate together in Miami who are all retiree age mothers, grandmothers, kind of kind of like that slightly end of middle aged women and, and the amazing life that you can have in your uh, later years. I think all of the women were supposed to be like in their 50s or beyond.
3: Right. Uh, well, and Sophia was supposed to be 80 and uh, three of them are widows and one of them is divorced. Uh, Dorothy is divorced yes. and then Blanche, Rose and Sophia are all widowed or they're widows. Yes.
4: They're widows and Blanche owns a house and she's looking for roommates and and the other three move in with her. Um and then they get into hijinks. Having rewatched it, there are certainly some problematic episodes, but it was definitely a very aware show. Very progressive. For it's time. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved it. It in in and they were able to punch up in their comedy. Most of the time, I would say. Not all the time, but most of their time. Um, or or do it in a s- satiristic way where you knew that they were like, okay. <laughs> you know?
3: Yeah.
6: Uh,
4: that made no sense to anybody but me and maybe Jonathan because he can see me. But one of the shows that I find the most uplifting despite the fact that they used mean humor a lot. Like I think halfway through the series, Dorothy said she didn't want people making fun of her looks anymore because that used to be like the go-to uh Dorothy being the B Arthur character yeah. they ragged on each other all the time but they were always nice to each other when they meant it so kind of mean humor but most of the time it was still positive and uplifting and left you in a in a good spot at the end and,
3: and Betty White played the part of Rose who was uh uh the kind of ditzy uh weirdo from a place called St Olaf Minnesota uh, and she mm-hmm. would tell these crazy stories at the drop of a hat to the much to the annoyance of Dorothy Dorothy was always irritated whenever Rose started into one of her stories yeah. And uh, so that's why we went. Because to do they didn't
4: that. make sense.
3: No, they never made sense. They, they never attached, they never connected to whatever it was that they was going on, and they didn't make sense on their own. So it was a double whammy.
4: And and half the time she used these words that were like either Swedish or Norwegian or something like that. Yeah,
3: or or, or like, made up. Yeah, made up, some sort of mixture of Norwegian and English, and sometimes just nonsense. So yeah. uh, that's gonna be one of our properties. And the other one is Beauty and the Beast. And why? Well. There's a rose in it. And,
4: and Betty White played Rose in the Golden Girls.
3: I, I will say that it
4: seemed as good of a reason as any. We went
3: through a couple of different pitches of Betty White and Golden Girls mixed with something else. And the the common connective tissue was that there was always a rose in the other thing. Beauty and the Beast is what we agreed upon. So um Yes. Who would you like to go first, Ariel, for our Beauty and the Beast Golden Girls mashups?
4: You can go first. Okay,
3: I will go first. Mine is called The Golden Beast of St. Olaf.
4: Oh, I love it. Already.
3: Rose Nyland has a problem. This big old <laughs> lunkhead of a man named Gaston simply won't leave her alone. Here she is, a grieving widow, having lost her husband, Charlie, only 15 years ago. And Gaston just won't take a hint. It's enough to make a gal break into song. Here comes the Cheese Man with his nasty questions, trying to track down Mr. Miles. He is far too past his prime and belongs to organized crime. And you know what, on second thought, let's not sing. Because that whole Cheese Man awesome. plot was terrible. It was just the worst <laughs> plot in The Golden Girls. Just trust me on this. But one day, Rose is out hitting the streets to look for a job to help make ends meet. And she's having a tough time of it because a lot of places appear to be turning her away due to her age. And while she's walking around, she notices that she darn plumb walked right out of St. Olaf and into the woods. Well, she gets so turned around that she ends up at this run-down old castle, which she had never even seen before. It's pretty spooky, but it's also getting late, so, so she goes on inside to take shelter. Inside... She finds the most amazing things. All the furniture talks to her. Well, most of the furniture talks to her. Some of it just appears to be furniture. There's kind of a lack of consistency there, but really asking anything more about it is just inviting people to tear apart the magic, so we're going to leave it. Anyway, there's a clock and a candlestick, and they talk to her a lot. Plus, there's an ottoman that acts a lot like a dog, and they decide to feed her. So she goes to enjoy a real hot dish. You know, the genuine article filled with cream of mushroom soup and canned veggies and tater tots. You know, the works, a real delicacy. So Rose has a nice big meal, and then she's told she's welcome to hang out in the castle as long as she never goes into the West Wing, which Rose agrees to. But as we've already established, she has a really bad sense of direction. So, of course, Rose ends up walking right into the West Wing. And there, she meets President Bartlett, who is busy meeting with Toby Ziegler and Josh (laughs) Lyman, talking about a political crisis blooming in the Middle East. Rose gets very confused until Will Bailey helpfully guides her out, where she sees the clock and candlestick waiting for her. We told you not to go in there, Cherie, says the candlestick. Yes, that is a completely different television series, and this mashup can't support that many storylines, says the clock. So Rose spends the night there, and she discovers that the old castle is actually owned by a beastly monster, but you know, a misunderstood one. Uh, He has feelings and stuff. And sure, he's not the most refined gentleman, but he seems keen to befriend Rose and listens to her stories. And so before you know it, the two are in love. Until one day, Gaston, you remember the big nasty brute from St. Olaf, he shows up, and he demands Rose, and he's being a real pain in the Patukas. So he even threatens to smash up the furniture, and Rose says she will go with Gaston if he spares the furniture, which Gaston agrees to because, I mean, it's just furniture. And he got what he wanted, so they all go back to St. Olaf but just as they're getting into town, Gaston slips on an icy patch on the ground and he falls over and he breaks his hip. And his injury means he can no longer be the big burly man of St. Olaf, Pretty soon he is shunned by the rest of the town. I mean, why would they put up with his rude, brutish behavior if he can't even be all manly and stuff? He had one job and he can't do it. So Rose, free from Gaston, rushes back to the castle and Gaston ends up getting around with a walker and is largely pitied but not liked by the town and so he ends up drinking himself to death, but we don't learn about that for a few seasons. Anyway, Rose runs back to the castle and into the beast's arms and she gives him a long kiss. And that's how I ended up making out with a St. Bernard, says Rose to her friends. That's very <laughs> touching, Rose, says Dorothy. It shouldn't be, but it is. The end.
4: First of all, absolute delight. And yeah, the Cheese Man episode's not great. <laughs> uh, second of all, you told me earlier today that your mashup was short. I don't think you understand them. I do not think that word means what you it's think it means. It's shorter
3: than most of them.
4: <laughs> it, was still, it was still a respectable length, my friend, okay. and a respectable mashup. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, so on to mine, mm-hmm. and this is called Thank You for Being Our Guest. <clears throat> Blanche, Dorothy, Rose, and Sophia were trying to save up for a cruise, so they decided to take on a new roommate to help lessen their bills. Unfortunately, the room and board market was a little dry. Then one day, the girls heard a knock at the door. Adjusting her decolletage to look her best, Blanche shouted, I'll get it, and ran to the door. But when Blanche opened the door, she was startled by a large furry creature. Ah, a bear, she shouted. A bear wearing pants. Somebody save me. And the large furry creature tried to claw Blanche down, but that only resulted in Blanche throwing her slippers at it. The other three ladies rushed into the living room, and Rose stated, "'Well, that's not a bear, Blanche. "'That's my great-aunt Hildegrufton's lawnmower "'from St. Olaf. "'She wrote wrote me last week to tell me he was moving to Miami "'and needed a place to stay, "'and since we're looking for a roommate, "'I figure we best not look a gift herring in the mouth. "'Especially a hairy herring!' "'She laughed, expecting her three friends "'to join in on her joke, but they just looked annoyed. "'Hi, my name is Rose. "'It's so good to finally meet you,' she told the hulking figure.' The figure couldn't take his eyes off of Rose. She was so beautiful. Hi, uh, everyone just calls me Beast, he stammered. Beast, huh, Quipped Sophia. Fine, whatever, but I'm not cleaning the shower drains, fuzzy wuzzy. Dorothy shook her head and said, Ma, be nice. Here, let me show you to the guest room. Which was, in fact, their garage, but they had made it really cozy. Sadly, what the girls didn't know was that Beast was really a cursed prince, not Great Aunt Hilda Grufton's lawnmower. And Beast was having a really hard time fitting into condo life. I mean, he was constantly expecting the dishes to clean themselves, he had terrible table manners, and he was constantly demanding that the candles sing for him. Only Rose was charmed by his eclectic ways, oblivious to the crush that Beast had on her. But the girls got more fed up with the Beast. The money they were saving on rent they were spending on lint rollers, new hair dryers, which weren't up to the task of the Beast's grooming habits, and groceries, because dude had an appetite. Rose kept defending the Beast, thinking the other ladies were being too judgmental. But then one day, Rose's boyfriend, Miles, who had been on a school trip with his students, returned home, saw that Beast was macking on his golden girl and told the Beast to put up his dukes. Now, Rose knew that Miles wasn't the winning fights kind of boyfriend. He wasn't the jumping out of planes kind of boyfriend. He was the watch TV and make corny jokes kind of boyfriend, and she was worried that he would not come out of the fight alive. So she stood between the Beast and Miles and told the Beast that he better go. Beast professed his love for her, but Rose said, I'm sorry, Beast. I don't mean to make you a vor flug- knockin', but Miles is the only one I want to play Ugo Fluggle with. Beast packed up his things and went to return to his lonely lawn-cutting job. But just then, there was another knock at the door. It was Ingebel Florgan from St. Olaf. She had lived next to Aunt Hilda Grufton for her entire life and had fallen in love with the Beast. They kissed, and the Beast turned into the prince. As Ingebel and the beast prince walked out the door to return to saint olaf blanche adjusted her decolletage once more and ran after the beast saying wait i didn't know you were a prince but the couple was gone i have the worst luck blanche said and rose comforted her saying you know what they say it doesn't matter who you love but it does matter if you shed here let's get a slice of cheesecake to cheer you up the girls never went on their cruise and they never married princes but they were happy nonetheless
3: Duh! I love that she's incorporated cheesecake, which of course was an ongoing theme in The Golden Girls.
4: Yes, and Vorfloggenaken is a dude who parks his whatever ship in the wrong fjord, and uh, Flugel is hide and seek for adults. <laughs> These are actual Golden Girl things. And Rose at one point did say it doesn't matter who you love, but it does matter if you shed. Now, could I tell you what episode that was from? No, <laughs> but she said, it. I had
3: to do some deep dives to, to remind myself. Cause it has been a very, I mean, I did watch golden girls. I enjoyed it. Like there are certain, uh, series that you probably wouldn't necessarily associate with Jonathan Strickland and golden girls was one of them. Designing women would be another one, but no, I watched both. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I had, but I had to go back and remind myself cause I have not rewatched those. Uh, in, in, so I, I had to, do a little research to remind myself of the Cheese Man, for example, which was a—that's yeah. a reference. You referenced Miles. Cheese Man plays into Miles's storyline as he is a apparently a member of organized crime who is hunting down Miles, who turns out (spoiler alert) to be in the witness protection program.
4: Yes, which my first rewatch through Golden Girls, I thought they completely dropped that through line, but no, they do resolve it. However, Golden Girls is notorious for setting something up and then contradicting it in a future episode. Like I think Blanche's one fear changes like three times and her previous one fear no longer is a fear for her. And not because she overcame it in the episode. They just,
3: they conveniently needed a different fear.
4: Yeah. Their continuity was not always the best, but I don't think anybody. It also,
3: it also didn't help that sometimes they aired the episodes out of the order they were intended because, you know, there'd be production delays or whatever. And so, you know, like episode 10 might come before episodes seven and eight. (laughs) Then you're like, uh, thing, things would be a little wonky that way too. But yeah, this was a fun one to do. Uh, of course, uh, you, we miss you, Betty White. We, you know, you were a, a truly amazing performer, uh, wonderful comedian, one of the funniest people. Like if you ever see her on anything where she was being herself and just kind of, you know, riffing, she was she could hang with anyone, you know, she could. Yeah. She was especially like in roasts and stuff. Holy cow. Um, yeah. An amazing woman. Uh, so we're thankful for the time we were able to have with her and wish that it could have been more.
4: Yes. Well, we know that you wish your time with us could be more, too. But you'll have to wait till next week. Uh, <laughs> in the meantime. Yes. Uh if you have any suggestions for topics you'd like us to talk about or uh, thoughts on news items we covered, we'd love to hear your opinions or ideas for future mashups. Or even if you want to write a mashup yourself and send it to us, you can do all that. We'd love to hear from you.
3: Yes. Send us email. The address is lnc at iheartmedia.com or drop us a line on Facebook or Instagram where we are large nerdron collider or on Twitter, where we are LNC underscore podcast. And uh, until next time, she has been Ariel Blanche Caston.
4: Oh my goodness. And he has been Jonathan, uh, Sophia's sister that she doesn't get along with, Strickland.
0: Calm.